The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome back to the Flyers Talk Podcast. As always, Katie Emmer joined alongside by the one and only Jordan Hall. And Jordan, we got another special guest making yet another appearance on the pod today. Indeed, Katie. I am always thrilled to introduce the Taryn Hatcher making her fourth appearance on the Flyers Talk Podcast. Taryn, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, guys. Trying to be like what Steve Martin was to SNL. Just showing up all the time disrupting everyone trying to be productive <laughs> yeah we're always yeah always making a difference we always love to have you on we, it really is hitting me guys i mean at first of course for all fans and for all of us it, it hits you but i think we could all agree now at this point i don't know how many days um it, it really is kind of like this is such a bummer i mean we really are all missing hockey fortunately um keeping ourselves entertained personally but also with nbc sports philadelphia it's uh it's been good to you know have different content coming through and, and uh, we're sort of migrating to this new reality. But um, yeah, uh, like I said earlier, uh, Jordan, starting with the captain today, we haven't heard from any players yet. Uh, we were supposed to hear from James Van Riemsdyk, I think a, a week or so ago, and uh, that didn't happen. So now today we are finally, well, you were finally able to, to, to hear from uh, the captain um, by a league uh, a league controlled conference call. What were the biggest takeaways from that? Yeah, Katie. Um, yeah, you had obviously every NHL team had to uh, kind of make their player availability. They had to do that in accordance with the NHL. So, um, yeah, there was a conference call today with with um, some Metropolitan Division players, Claude Drew being the Flyers representative, Sidney Crosby of the Penguins, Jordan Stahl of the Hurricanes, and Mark Stahl of the Rangers. Uh, so it was a video con- video conference call, and you could obviously also join in through the phone. Uh, and yeah, Claude Drew, the main points of Claude Drew, a lot of it was kind of fun, offbeat stuff, uh, questions that he was asked, um, you know, who would he, uh, if he had to pick one teammate to quarantine with, he said Michael Rothwell just because he's goofy and he's always talking and entertaining. So that was, uh, that was funny. Um, uh, someone asked him if he had been playing video games. He said he got an Xbox. Uh, he played Scott Lawton twice in FIFA, lost both times, and he hasn't played since. Uh, and I think we all know Claude Drew. He is like the ultimate competitor. So yeah, uh, I think him losing in anything would turn him away from it. So uh, that was enjoyable. But um, the, the overall theme was just that he, you know, they're kind of in wait and see mode, um, and they're hoping everyone's just staying safe, playing their part. Um, Drew even said that he thought, you know, for the most part, obviously people I don't think knew it, it was as serious. This coronavirus outbreak was as serious as people thought. Now people are starting to obviously take it um, much more serious, and he just hopes everyone's staying safe and playing their part. And uh, it was funny. He said that, um, you know, he's up in Ottawa right now, where which is where he's from. He's with family and friends, and 
he said they don't, they don't have a ton up there. So uh, in terms of, uh, I guess, physical fitness, uh, in terms of physical fitness, uh, like equipment. So he said they have a bike down the basement. And for the most part, he's actually just doing it old school. He's doing push-ups, sit-ups, uh, and riding the bike. So uh, I think Drew knows how to stay in shape. And I'm sure all of the Flyers teammates do. Uh, one other fun tidbit he had was uh, he was asked how his teammates and uh, Claude are staying in touch. Uh, he said they have a group chat that's rather busy, so we can only imagine what is said in that group chat between Flyers teammates. I'm sure it's pretty funny. And then he also said they tried to do a FaceTime the other day. He said it did not go well. Too many people were screaming, so uh, it did not last long. So I thought that was pretty funny as well. Speaking of screaming on group calls, I have an important update to the Claude Giroux conference call. Uh, Scott Lawton has taken to Twitter to say that Giroux never stood a chance at FIFA. So I feel like we will be seeing a rematch just out of G's competitive nature. I'm sorry, Jordan, please continue. (laughs) No, I love that update. Hilarious. And yeah, it was uh, I think we all know Claude Giroux kind of has that dry sense of humor. Like he doesn't talk much, but uh he'll, he'll sneak in some quick one-liners uh and with that, a straight that was, face yeah with a straight face too nothing about like, it on a video conference call and he said all that with a straight face uh so it was enjoyable it was cool to see uh it was cool to hear from claude drew and just talk about hockey again uh and they're kind of in wait and see mood wait and see mode just like everyone else but they're hoping for the best and hoping everyone's taking it serious and uh, most importantly staying safe yeah, I mean, I think we can, I love that, Jordan, especially the FIFA part, Taryn. That was a great update. I, I think about this, though, too. The biggest thing that stuck out to uh, to what he said to you guys was the staying in shape part. Because, yes, they are home and, and the equipment isn't as uh, isn't as available, uh, I'm sure, especially for his sake that you just mentioned. I think a lot about just like this isn't. Yes, this is time off, guys. They're with their families. Um, they're not playing. So, y- yes, time off. But at the same time, um Jordan, as you just mentioned there, they're waiting sort of for an update or for a call. Like you're sort of just on standby the whole time. So I would think that it is a bit different. Like, again, physically, you guys are are resting up. We have James Van Riemsdyk who uh, is resting up from that hand injury, like different things. Fortunately, some much needed rest time. But you could imagine, too. I mean, this has to be a kind of a mentally crazy mode. Taryn, for these guys, don't you think? I mean, it is so different. I mean, it really is not exactly time off yeah but i i think the interesting thing and it's funny because i can remember watching um like a feature on herschel walker a long time ago and he said he has always kept his routine pretty much the same he would run he'd do a thousand push-ups and a thousand sit-ups and a thousand pull-ups and herschel walker as i mean everybody knows is just like one of the most jacked fit looking human beings to this day um so it's kind of funny to hear like the old a little bit of channeling like Rocky style make do with what you have kind of workouts here. Um, but yeah, it is interesting. I, I would be very interested to see the variations and what these guys have in their house, because we know like a guy like James Van Riemsdyk, we saw it on behind the glass is a big like gizmos and gadgets guy, right? He has everything all year round, all kinds of things to help keep him in the best shape. Anything he can do to get the slightest edge. He always says he will do. So my guess is somebody like that probably has a ton of resources in their home to kind of um, stay fit and rehab, but in the comfort of their own house. So it's kind of interesting to hear that Claude Giroux is really like grabbing his lunch pail and doing it blue collar style. Um, that's 
the hope I think is though, that these guys over the years have figured out what works for them and they're able to acclimate with what they, they have in order to do that. Because I know there was a lot of discussion when the league went on pause, there was a lot of discussion about, do they go home? Do they stay in their home cities now based on the kind of layout that we've heard the league wants to approach, it's going to be a while. So it makes sense that they go home. Um, But there's a lot of concern over, you know, if they're living in an area that didn't close public gyms, you don't really want these guys going into a public public gym. You'd rather them stay in South Jersey and go to the gym at the skate zone in the back of Voorhees um, because you can control who's in there, how many people are in there, the cleaning in between. Um, But now, obviously, they don't even have that at their disposal because it looks like this is going to be quite a bit of time. And so they gave everybody the go ahead to go home. Um, But it is interesting because I think that does really change things in terms of what guys have to work with right now. And I think you're going to see a lot of guys are doing even just on Instagram when you see these guys and they're bored and they're trying to like stay fit, but do something interesting to stay fit. It's really interesting to see what they come up with. I see like pro athletes bench pressing their girlfriends as like a way you know, <laughs> they need something to do. Uh, so it is, it's, it's very interesting to see what this time is like, because it's, it's a little bit like what would be their off season, except for you don't know when it ends, which is so bizarre because in an off season, you kind of know when you can relax and pull back on working out. And then, you know, when you have to gear up and start to play your way and work out your way back into playing shape. Um, yeah, but these guys don't really know. There's a rough outline still. I think the NHL is still hopeful about that 60 day return, 45 day camp. But uh, there's obviously been other discussions about that being pushed back. Um, so yeah, it's it's a very odd situation to be in. It's kind of interesting to hear too that. But can you guys imagine, you know, hearing Claude Drew just has like a stationary bike in his house that it's essentially like he's the guy in the Peloton commercial. Like, <laughs> like that's the only workout equipment you have and you're, you're trying to get something in and, you know, really challenge yourself. I mean, it's just it's bizarre. It's bizarre. While we're on that subject, it has been so, I have been so tempted to get one, guys. Like, I feel like everyone in this world has gotten a Peloton in the last week from this situation <laughs> i'm like gosh do i hop on this train um I but yeah i refuse yeah, yeah. <laughs> i can yeah, see it but that is funny to picture like drew on a on a peloton bike but no i mean you're saying like a stationary bike in the parents house like you definitely yeah. do want to sort of see like have a glimpse into what they're doing but it is important in in of course they're having to stay active. Like I just mentioned earlier, Jordan, I kind of think of it like, of course I'm not in the NHL. Okay. But like, I think <laughs> about it being a, a server and like you're on call for the night and you're like, you're ready to work, but you're also like, not sure if you are. And having that sort of every single day, I feel like would be like, again, and Taryn mentioned that that 60 day, like hopeful return date. So maybe that is in their focus and they're just going to, you're just going to focus on the simple things now focus on 60 days and worry about it if it goes beyond there, but you're kind of on call the whole time. No, it's a great analogy, Katie. They really are. And, um, and I, I find it fascinating too, that these athletes at the highest level that stay in elite shape have to adjust like everyone else in the world right now. This people have said, this is obviously going to go down in the history books. Like we'll always remember this 
global pandemic where everyone had to change their lives. And here are these athletes who are usually having everything at their disposal to do what they do at the highest level. They have to adjust. Claude Drew, uh, one of the stars in the NHL, is doing fitness in his basement on a stationary bike and doing sit-ups and push-ups. Like, that's that's crazy. But that's kind of where everyone is. And the whole league has to, to adjust and, and be ready to go. And what's kind of crazy about it, too, is that when when and hopefully the league does resume – there's a good chance it's going to be right around playoff time where everything ratchets up and um, and everyone's just going to have to be ready as best they can. Um, and Katie, I wanted to ask you, uh, Katie and Taryn, we, we saw this, and I'll start with Katie, we saw uh, on, on Wednesday uh, the league came out and what, they were forced to postpone the NHL draft the NHL draft scouting combine and the NHL awards show. Uh, I think that was kind of inevitable. If they wanted to focus on the 2019-20 season resuming, that would obviously push that stuff back. But um, Kitty, what are your thoughts on that kind of coming down? And do you think that could maybe be a positive sign that the league really is firm believers that they can resume this season and get it going and finish it? Yeah. Uh, and like you said, it was inevitable. Like this was, we maybe be, uh, we could expect this coming, uh, especially with the fact that this, I think what the draft is, uh, was June 1st to the 6th. I mean, things that, um, or what was it? It's like all in June though, are all of these it's events that you June. just mentioned. Right. Yeah. The scouting combine, the awards and the draft. I mean, like you said too, I mean, with what we've talked about before, sort of maybe the expectations with the 60 day return date. Um, and we hear about the league asking for arena availabilities through August and these different things that maybe are harder to picture right now, just because it is kind of chaos with how are they going to plan around this? Um, I think of course, as we all would imagine, the resumption of the schedule is the most important right now. Um, but guys with the, the biggest question mark there is just, Yes, the awards are very important, but to me, it's the scouting combine and the draft. I mean, how these are sort of going to be uh, redirected in a way, uh, what their plans are going to be, um, I think is a bit of a, a concern for me. There's so much uncertainty, guys, throughout the whole entire world right now. And, and of course, health is most important, as we all know, um, and, and getting this corrected and getting people back on their feet after. Right now, it's just, you know, what's, what's, what is most important? And uncertainty is a lot especially in the nhl so this is uh this is something i see you know it's going to be a concern as i think we mentioned on the last pod just saying with how much money the league is going to be losing with um just the, the way things are with uh salaries and with uh you know the basically the cancellation of a lot of games at the moment um so with the rest of the league uh i think that this uncertainty is nothing unusual because uh, there's so much it's such a fluid situation guys uh, but yeah I do see this as a bit of a concern but I think the biggest impact is going to be the draft and just how their way about that is going to be Taryn what do you think um, I think it's interesting because in this whole situation I look at the way the NHL and the and the NBA pretty parallel in the way they handled it where it's sort of like we don't have all of the answers yet, but we do want to take actions to be in a good position when we maybe have some of them. So whether it's realistically looking at a very late return date, but wanting to finish out this year. Okay, what does that look like? 
well, we can't have a draft if we don't finish out the season or at least have playoffs, you know, axe the remainder of the regular season and then have playoffs. So let's push back everything that goes with the draft. We're not going to have NHL player awards before we resume the end of a season because who knows what happens from that point on. It seems like there's a very, uh, you know, the quote right now is control what you can control, right? It seems as if they know we want to at least try to salvage what we can of the season, even if it's requesting arena dates in August. That's what we, we're going to do. And if that is our approach, then let's make everything else make sense with that. And I think it's it's smart and people, it's hard because when you try to be proactive, the worst is never realized. And so people sometimes see those actions as overreactions, right? So pushing things all the way back to July, August, September, pushing next year's schedule potentially a month back, right? They're, they're being they're trying to be very proactive in this situation. Whereas everybody would really like sports back right now. I know I would, I like, I love hockey. It's my life. It's, you know, it's the same goes for the two of you, but it is very interesting because you see these leagues. And I think you saw it with the NBA and the way they canceled as well. As soon as that happened to Rudy Gobert, they were just like seasons on pause. And I know there were people at the time who now probably won't say it was, but there were definitely people at the time that I talked to, that were sitting there like, this is such an overreaction. Like, are they even that sick? And blah, 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 yada, yada. And now you see after the fact that, no, the NBA was trying to be immediately as active as they could um, and to avoid a massive incident that would have to lead to a huge reaction and trying to backpedal and everything else that goes with that. Um, So I do find it interesting because it does seem like they are trying to control what they can control and what they can control right now is putting events in order that makes sense, even if they don't have a firm date on when the first event may happen. So you can't do these things before the season ends. So if we're not going to have the season end until this date. We are certainly not going to do the draft, the combine and the awards. Um, so yeah. it was a logical move to me. I thought it was interesting too, because they did a, uh, a Q and a, the NHL did as well. And it seems like other than them addressing the two Ottawa, Ottawa Senators players that tested positive, it seems like they're pretty much in the same place as they were when the, when the league paused for everything else. It's very much, we're going to do what the CDC says. We're going to do what the CDC says. And I think that's what they're doing. They're just trying to get ahead of things so that they can rearrange them the best they can and then follow what the best advice for the safety and health of the public is, which is all you can do right now. Acme is immediately hiring employees for their stores and distribution center to serve the increasing needs of communities during this unchartered time. If you or someone you know is looking for an exciting opportunity, Acme is currently hiring at every store location, including their distribution center. Go to acmemarkets.com forward slash careers. Right. Yeah, certainly a positive. Uh, just take an initiative. I love that, Taryn. It's so true. And I think I've seen that all over Twitter, like control what you can control is definitely a, a huge motto right now during this sort of uncertain time. And yeah, just worrying about the what they have at hand right now. Jordan, something that really kind of stuck out in my head, like would this be something they would do is what about a virtual draft? What about virtual NHL awards? Everything held online. Is this something that could possibly be a result? Yeah, Katie, that's a great question, too, because you think about it, 
how much of those events are they needed in person? I, I, I definitely don't want to downplay. I think the draft is great. The combine, I think, is uh, very important and beneficial for teams. Uh, but with technology today, we have the capability to do these things, you know, online. And um, gosh, you, you know, we see trades made over the phone. Um, like, do you need to be in person for these events? And as Taryn and, and you alluded to that, we just don't know where things are going to be come, you know, June, come summer when, uh, you know, the draft and the combine are typically held uh, where there are a lot of people uh, in one place. And uh, it, it makes sense that you can that they're going to consider doing that. I know the league said in their statement that the format time and how they're going to hold that uh has not been finalized, and it will be announced once it is. And I think that shows you, yes, the NHL is being proactive, and they're now thinking of, well, one, we have to postpone these things, and then two, how do we want to adjust doing this? Uh, And they're not there yet on their decision, obviously. They're going to listen to the medical professionals uh, first, and then they'll make a decision that's wisest. But it definitely shows you they're considering doing this virtually and, you know, over the phone or – via Skype and all that fun stuff. So uh, I think that's important uh, to have on the table uh, and to to take all uh, avenues that you can uh, because, yeah, we just don't know where things are going to go, just like we don't know where things are going to go with the the 2019-20 season. Um, I think the things that we do know are that the NHL does not want the 2020-21 season impacted at all. It may be pushed back. Uh, but they definitely want to play that season in full. They don't want to um, have that season uh, impeded at all. Uh, and what they also want to do, and they, they hope to, is award the Stanley Cup. So how does that impact the 2019-20 regular season? We're not sure yet. Uh, but they definitely want to at least try to finish off the season and at least award the Stanley Cup. So I think those are two goals uh, that they have in place. The rest is just kind of all up in the air, and they're going to adjust you know, accordingly. Taryn and Katie, on a lighter note, uh, I want to lead into a fun question, uh, one that was posed to Claude Drew that we addressed earlier. Claude Drew was asked if he could pick one Flyers teammate to be quarantined with, who would it be? He chose Michael Raffle. I think that'd be a fun question for us to answer. Uh, if we had to pick one player and their family uh, to join your family in quarantine, uh, who would that be? Taryn, we'll start with you. Okay. So I would probably pick, because it's mainly me and my boyfriend, Austin, self-isolated together uh, most of the time, that who, I'm trying to think who Austin would be friends with and whose wife or girlfriend I really get along with. Um, Because a lot of the wives are super, super nice and super chill. So it's actually like a hard question to answer. They're so fun. (laughs) Um, I feel like. This is a toughie. I'm kind of surprised G picked Michael Raffle. I mean, Raffle's so funny that I'm not super surprised. But, oh, this is tough. Who's a good cook, I wonder? That's who I would want to be uh, yeah. quarantined with. That's a good point. I really, I really don't want to be motivated to work out either. Like, So if it's someone who's super fit, I don't have a great answer for this question. I feel like, honestly, a little plot twist here because we're on the road with them a lot and they we see them a lot. Um, like, if it's families, 
Ian LaPerriere's family actually knows quite a few of my mom's friends, their family friends. And I think <laughs> Lappy and my family together would be very funny because uh, Lappy's uh-huh. a really, really funny guy. And um, a- a- yeah, and I just I my mom doesn't like she barely listens when people she doesn't she doesn't not listen. She doesn't always hear when people speaks uh, when people speak. And Lappy is somewhat hard to understand anyway, just his accent. So the interaction between the two of them, I would love, I would love to witness that. Um, and he's got big, great Dane dogs. Like if his family came over with all the animals and stuff, that would be great. Or, you know, who would be hilarious to be quarantined with? I think Keith Jones would be hilarious to be quarantined oh with. Oh my gosh. So, he has like all of his animals. He'd be so entertained yeah. just hanging yeah. out on his farm. Yeah. I would be avoiding that his uh, his Cane Corso Leo, who's like 200 pounds and could eat your face off. But like he's got donkeys and stuff. And uh, can I just say one thing? This reminds me of a funny story, Taryn. I'm sorry. Sure. I remember. Do you you guys know what emus are, right? Like those yeah. big birds that are like ostriches. So like, Al told me a story because Al and Jonesy are very close. Al Morgani. Um, and Al told me a story that there was a ton of baby emus on sale. I, I forgot they're like little chicks. And I forgot how much they were, um, but it was like for a dozen, some sort of amount of money that was very cheap. And I forget, I forgot the actual number, but it was like, um, I know Jonesy got a dozen of them and it might've been two dozen of them. And Al was like, Jonesy, you have no idea what these things are going to grow into. Like, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. Yeah. And here he had these huge ostrich like birds, these emus running around his yard and he had to get rid of them because they were and they, just like, so people and stuff, right? They <laughs> spit, I think. Yeah. I'm thinking of those YouTube videos of like an emu finding a golf ball or a tennis ball and realizing it bounces. Have you guys ever seen that? And an emu like grabs it and throws it on the sidewalk and never mind. Yeah. But you guys have to look up <laughs> emus on YouTube if you're in a sad mood. Just moves on YouTube. But I always think of that story, Taryn, with his farm. He has so many animals there. Yeah. If you guys are ever in a sad mood, Google Keith Jones Pro Pets. He you'll find him <laughs> dancing with a mini donkey. Yeah. And holding two tiny little dogs that are his wife's dogs. It's hilarious. But there's yeah, truly I mean, no one like him. I think Jonesy would be fun, honestly, would probably be my pick. But he would like put you to work. Like he's been mending fences and like painting fences and like you know, oh, he probably getting, loves this little break he has right getting now. Getting the farm put together. But, yeah, I, yeah. I think Jonesy would be the choice. I like that. Katie, how about you? Okay, well, I'm sure you guys will not be surprised by this, but I'm going to go with Matt Niskanen. Uh, maybe oh. thinking he's up in northern northern Minnesota. Uh, <laughs> and you know what? We'd probably give Pillick and Braun a good invite over, too. I know that's not exactly quarantining, um, but maybe we had to keep our 10 feet or six feet distance on a uh, ice fishing endeavor. I just really see Niskanen as just, you know, right now just fishing on a lake if he is in Minnesota. Um, so I definitely join his family because you, you already know, you know, things would really get along well. Um, but yeah, and, and in general, if he, if that guy wasn't from Minnesota, can we just say too, like he'd be a great person to just chill with because he's so chill. Like Taryn, yeah. come on, you know, you know, Niskanen would be like, oh, yeah. unreal. He's sitting at home in his camouflage Crocs, which are, which are really are really a thing. He showed up to our first interview in camouflage Crocs. Yeah, I'm sure he's just he, him and him and the fam just sitting at home, probably whittling figures out of wood or something that exactly. requires you to like. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he's doing just fine right now. If I'm being honest with you, this is he, he loves it. Getting back to nature. Yeah. 
Yeah, I remember it was even, you know, what's so funny is it was like the, um, one of the last practice, and it's not funny, it's pretty sad because we miss hockey, but it was one of the last practices at Wells Fargo Center before they hosted the Bruins, and we were all in that dressing room. And I asked Niskanen what he liked about Virginia, Minnesota, guys, because for those that may not know, it's this very small town in northern Minnesota. Um, and up north, they would say, like, it just gets quieter and quieter. Like, it's literally just wilderness, but it is beautiful. Um, and just asking him, <laughs> and the camouflage Crocs make so much sense for him. I mean, I was like, what do you like about Virginia, Minnesota? And just his everything. I was like, all right. That's all right. Great. This is good. This is a good talk. Thanks. That's all I needed to know. Um, but yeah, he just seems like a really good character to uh, spend some quarantine time with him and and his uh, his family. Uh, Jordan, uh, waiting for the best for last year. So excited to hear who you got. Well, Katie, I enjoyed yours, and I remember you asked Matt Niskanen if he uh, if he missed uh, snow, and he said he did, just like you did. Uh, so I enjoyed that response from you. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, Jacob Voracek was the first one that came to mind for me. Cool dude. Real funny, um, great to talk to. I think it would be hilarious to look at Twitter with him. I'm sure during this quarantine, this time, everyone's just glancing at Twitter. He'd probably be hilarious just to watch him go through Twitter and see tweets and stuff and hear his commentary. And when we talked to him about before, Taryn, you guys went to Prague, um, he re really seemed like a big foodie guy. Like he knew yeah. exactly. That's what I was going to say. He's probably yeah, a great yeah. cook, Taryn. I, I think he'd be a great I don't guy. Know if like, he's, with. I don't yeah. know that he's a great cook. I know that he's a great restaurant finder, apparently. All the guys said they go to him to, for restaurant tips. Like okay. when new players come to the team, whatever. So sure. when it comes to like supporting local and ordering takeout from great local restaurants, I'm sure – that he has a great kind of inside, you know, edge on all of that. Um, but that being said, my bank account is not as big as his. So I need to cook some of the food that I already purchased and not order out every night. So that's fair. I think it's good to support your businesses, though. I think that's great, Taryn. So, yeah. Yeah. so even if Jake knew some good restaurants to do takeout from, I think he would know the spots uh, and he would he would know what to get. Um so no, I think he'd be a, he'd be probably my choice. He was the first one that came to mind, but I, I liked all your choices. I really did. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think with this Flyers team, as all of us know, and, and Taryn, you know even better their personalities. I think really anyone you're stuck with, and even Elaine Vino, not even a player, but he'd be you know him him on his pontoon somewhere. I don't know if he is, but yeah. I'm sure uh, I'm sure he'd make a great martini. Uh, no, but yeah. the last the last topic I wanted to get to you guys too is. Uh, is this thing about who the top NHL executive is. And I saw an article too, like, is, is it Chuck Fletcher, the top uh, uh, NHL executive this season? I think all of us covering this team are going to be homies and, and, uh, and say that it is, it is Chuck Fletcher. And guys, I mean, even if we weren't covering the flyers, it's so hard to argue that he wouldn't be just with the way he brought in this coaching staff in the way that um, he's really built up this team with the offseason moves that all of us have written about throughout this week on um, NHL Sports or NHL NBC Sports Philadelphia's uh, website. But one of the biggest things that I'll, I'll just get into this for me, the reason why what makes him so great is his personal give to this team, um, especially pertaining to the Oscar Lindblom news. Taryn, you were right there and Jordan too to, to see his emotions and how much he was affected. He loves this team. He loves his players, and he has so much passion for the personalities 
that he also brings into this team. And he truly is just an all around great guy that, yes, he cares about the, the numbers and, and the money and everything else, but he's that, that guy that's really attached to this Flyers team. And I truly believe that's the way it's been so successful this season. And I think he's the top um, executive. Taryn, what do you think? Yeah, I, uh, as you said, I, I do fully agree. Uh, the thing that with Chuck that's very interesting is he's very, um, there's a real approachable, easy human quality to him. And I know we don't always get it in on-camera interviews or, or whatever. He He's very polished as well. Um, but when you talk to him, when you're just sitting there having a conversation with him, he is so approachable and so relatable and easy to talk to. And he cares about all the people who cover this team. He cares about the players on the team. He cares about the coaching staff. And, you know, at the end of the day, he is also a, a businessman and he's doing what he needs to do for this team. But I, I do think that there is something to having that quality. Saying, you know, when the players, I think one of the best examples of it, right, was when the trade deadline came up and the players went to him and people didn't like it at the time. And now, of course, you know, that they played so well before the season got paused. I think the tune is a little different. But when the players went to him before the trade deadline and said, we need depth to bolster what we have, but we do not want to make big changes in this dressing room. Like it's a close knit team. Uh, we don't want guys losing roles. You know, we don't want to have to get rid of big pieces that mean a lot to this dressing room. Chuck Fletcher listened to his players and he went out and he got Nate Thompson and he went out and he got Derek Grant. And I think people at the time, there was certainly a, a certain crowd of fans that crowd of people in general critics that were sort of like, why are we making these moves for these types of guys, whatever? Well, that's what the team wanted. And I think Chuck Fletcher, both from his businessman point of view and from the very human point of view saw that that's really all I need and you might not think I'm making the splashiest moves but I don't think I need to make the splashiest moves I think I need to make the smartest moves and I think he's kind of showed that over and over again he's I mean he's endured some criticism since he got here already even though it's been a short amount of time he really has dealt with some criticism and all along the way he's kind of kept his chin up and kept looking ahead at what he needed to do. And every single time so far, it seems like it's played out the way he's wanted it to, whether it was, you know, the flyers needed to get a big, a big signing in the off season. They went, they paid Kevin Hayes. They made, they picked up Kevin Hayes and that was a gamble um, because it wasn't a shirt they traded for him. And it wasn't a sure thing that he was going to sign. And then they paid him a lot of money. And, you know, I remember when Chuck Fletcher really got, slammed for that by quite a few people and then you you i can't imagine that flyers dressing room without kevin hayes right now he's such a big part of the team's character and he's produced so much you know and so the same thing with matt niskanen i know i've said it a hundred times the talk was it was a lateral move for radko gudis he's past his prime this that and the next thing matt niskanen proved all those things wrong and i think chuck fletcher the whole time just said this is gonna work i believe in it i believe in these people I think he seeks out people uh, and really heavily considers their character as well. I think that's done well for him. Um, so, yeah, it, there is a very um, – he's not just a, a numbers guy. I think his personality lends itself to picking up great character players as well, uh, which has greatly impacted this team. Yeah, what Terrence says 
I think is just spot on. One of the most attractive qualities to Chuck Fletcher when the Flyers hired him was that he was a good listener. And when you're a general manager, it, it can't be your way or the highway. It's you got to listen to people that work for you. And um, Bobby Clark, I've spoken with him a few times. Bobby Clark was um, was his first mentor. And Chuck Fletcher, when he got into um, exec, an executive, his, his first front office role was an assistant general manager for Bobby Clark when they were with the Panthers, who, uh, when they were an expansion team at the time. And uh, that's what Bobby Clark loved about him was that um, there was benevolence to the, in the way that he general managed. He cared about the people that he worked for. He wanted to listen to their input. Um, and that's what makes him a really good general manager. And what Terrence said was so true about the trade deadline. I think a lot of GMs wouldn't listen to their roster. They, they probably wouldn't care. They would just say, hey, well, guess what? We're going to make a move. And the players are going to have to deal with it. But no, instead, he really listened to his roster. He knew what the team wanted. Um, he knew that they didn't want to probably shake things up, and they didn't warrant that. They they wanted they wanted some solid additional pieces that would push them forward, uh, and they deserved to stay intact. And it's exactly what they did. Um, and I think that's what Fletcher's done. Yeah, when we we had a midseason um, award voting for the. Uh, professional writer uh, hockey writers association uh, and for GM of the year um, I personally voted for Chuck Fletcher for second place I, I just thought he did a lot of positive things and I think he's going to be right up there for GM of the year um, after it's all said and done given where the Flyers are what he did at the trade deadline to make them better his offseason is looking more and more better by you know by the game so yeah I think he deserves all the credit in the world he a lot of quiet work but like like Terrence said, he's just a very approachable guy, uh, very likable, and I think that's why he worked well, and he has worked well uh, within the organization. Yeah, and I, I mean, I just want to put a little personal twist on this, too, because I agree with everything you guys have said. We're all agreeing with each other. This isn't okay, by the way. Like, we're supposed to, like, disagree on some things, but yeah. we all have the same uh, thought process uh, with this stuff, which, I mean, again, with this, it's, it's hard to argue. And, Jordan, you made that point from the beginning of this season or from the off season to the beginning. And then, uh, again, as Karen said, too, with that trade deadline, just all around just a great GM. For me, it, it was uh, working in Minnesota. I, I was an intern and, and holding a mic up to him for when he was the GM in Minnesota. And just a guy that I, I maybe asked a couple questions to, but wouldn't really recall who I was or, or remember maybe. In this preseason, Jordan, I remember you and I went to a preseason game at MSG and we, we had Chuck Fletcher and before that just came up yeah. and said, yeah, I actually, uh, I recognized you. And it was one of those things where you're Chuck Fletcher, you know, and yeah. he just, he is so personable, guys. He remembers all of us. Um and especially just gives you the time, like Taryn said, just such great answers. And he's so polished and he's just off camera, such a great, um, a great person sort of to deal with uh, during this, this time and throughout the, the whole season. So I think the Flyers really uh, lucked out having him around. Yeah, Katie, that was cool. I remember we were at Madison Square Garden for one of the final preseason games. We're up in the press box, up super high at MSG and, went over to chat with Chuck and uh, and we introduced you and he was just so cool. He knew your Minnesota connection and chatted with you about, your, you know, your Minnesota roots. Um, and I think that was just kind of a Chuck Fletcher in a nutshell right there. It's just very personable and 
um, those people do well in front office settings because uh, you have to listen to people and, and be open to ideas and then collaborate. And I think he's done that pretty tremendously so far with the Flyers. It's worked out well. Moving on, Chuck Fletcher, but moving on uh, to finish this off, because, Karen, I know you're so passionate about this cause, this this wonderful show. Um, I know we always love to do our shows and our, our what we're all watching. I have saw, I've seen so many of these tweets about Tiger King, but I haven't seen it. So what is this show? Oh like, what God, is going Katie. on? Katie. Oh, my gosh, Katie. <laughs> you have to watch it. It is the most. What is it? I don't, I don't even know that it's good so much as it is so bizarre that you cannot look away. It's um, essentially, this is, I've, I've been asked what it is like a hundred times, and this is the, the best synopsis I can try to give. A documentary, a guy was trying to make a documentary about the exotic snake trade is how it all starts. And then somebody from the get-go says, no, 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 no. You got to look into uh, the big cat trade in the United States because it's absolutely bananas. And so this guy starts to dive into um, everything that comes with the big cat trade and big cat zoos in the United States. And these three characters really emerge as the three biggest players when it comes to breeding and trying to, well, two of them are breeders. One of them runs a sanctuary for tigers and lions and leopards and big cats. And it's like a really lucrative business. Uh, There is a man from Oklahoma. His name is Joe Exotic. He is, in his own description, he is a gay gun-toting cowboy from Oklahoma who raises and sells tigers, and he ends up in prison. Uh, Great. So you don't have to, I'm not spoiling anything. And then there's a woman named Carol Baskin, and she is um, trying to end tiger cub breeding in the United States because these people are, in her words, breeding tigers to live lives in cages. And she doesn't think that's right. So she runs a sanctuary where they don't breed. And then there's this man named Doc Antle. And he runs a tiger zoo in South Carolina. That's more of like a subplot, though. He doesn't have such a... He's like a yoga meditation guy. Um, some questionable stuff going on there, too, in my humble opinion. But yeah, so even... But like every character has bizarre, like, bizarre backstories going with them. Like... Carol, the one who's trying to save the tigers, she at some point, like, she's accused of her ex-husband went missing at some point, and people are trying to point the finger at her for him going missing, and, like, there's so much, a girl gets her arm ripped off by a tiger, and by, like, five minutes after it happens, you forget that that was even a plot line, because there's so much Oh my gosh! (laughs) No, there's so much other bizarre crap that happens that you're like... Oh, yeah. Remember that part where a girl got her arm ripped off? It's such a non, like, event because everything else is so crazy. Kate, you got to watch it. I would not suggest watching it. Oh, my gosh. It just sounds so intense. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Katie, it's the most bizarre. I, I started watching it, and then Austin wanted to watch it with me, so I restarted it again. And the whole time I'm watching, he's like, how, how is this a thing that people do every day? Like, <laughs> it's just. Oh it's my gosh! Two hundred and twenty-seven tigers at a zoo, and there's a murder for hire plot. Um, Katie, I'm like exhausted just talking about it. You just have to watch it to really okay. Get it. 
Very Jordan, good. you're on too. You're going to have to give this a watch. Yeah, I'll, I've heard incredible things just like that. I heard it's just like insane. Like people are just like, yo, I don't I've ever seen anything this crazy, which oh makes, makes me want to watch. It's the craziest thing in the world. And they have great footage because Joe Exotic was trying to make a reality TV show. So everything that like all all aspects of his life were like recorded for a while. But then his studio got blown up and there was questions as to who blew his studio up, where all the footage was housed. Oh, my gosh, you guys. You got to watch. You just got to okay. all my roommates watch. I'm going to get That's to it good. for sure. Oh, Taryn, always fun to have you on. You're always welcome back. It's always good. I, I like this, guys. This was fun. Thanks for hanging out. So, yeah, thank you again, Katie Emmer. Thank you, Taryn Hatch, again, for always joining us. That is the Flyers Talk podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and subscribe. And we can't wait to talk to you next time. Yeah, we'll talk about Tiger King. <laughs>